You're tuned into That's What I Meant, the podcast. I'm your host, Chris Brucher, and this is the intro. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. We've got three excellent guests here today. We've got Karen Shafroth, Eric Hallberg, and Matt Hellier. Um, you can catch all these guys at the Improv Playhouse. They're doing shows uh, every other week during this fun quarantine time. Um, you can also catch Matt on his podcast called ReviewParty.com, available at ReviewParty.com.com. The second .com is an actual dot. The first dot is the word dot. Um, Karen, what? Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. What do you? Uh, what do you want to plug today? Um, I would like to plug um, cereal. I have been on a gluten and dairy-free diet for the last three weeks, and I have found that peanut butter checks cereal is absolutely fantastic, and I eat it every single day. Nice. We uh, we have a lot of cereal at my house right now because my wife works at a grocery store Mm. and one of her like main things she works with is cereal and we just keep getting boxes of boxes of cereal and I'm like I need like a house full of children to just eat the cereal for me because I do not I can't keep up right I have two man children you could send it to if you want (laughs) that's true as an 18 year old cereal is like the best (laughs) could have done it all myself in college no problem oh yeah yeah I got you know, when you look at what's in a cereal box, it's like, yeah, that's like two bowls right there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For an adult. My son's like a t- teenager now, and it's like, wait a minute, that's like two meals right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's good. They, they had those little boxes when I was a kid that were single serve, yeah. and now they yeah, have right. one for me. Right. It's right. so. travel size. Yeah. Milk into them too. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Anything you want to plug? You know, I, I haven't had it this year, but I'm going to plug this just out of convenience is the, uh, Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. Mm-hmm. So I tried to make that myself. And I go, oh, I'm going to make my own syrup. And that is disgusting. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for natural things. But when you try to make like a pumpkin spice thing yourself, there's got to be some secret laboratory ingredients mix. I always, but I mean, I tried, I tried it three times with pumpkin puree and all the spice, and it was just horrible. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw in the towel on that one and give it to Starbucks. Have you tried just pouring coffee into a pumpkin, shaking it up, and then drilling a hole in the bottom and draining it? <laughs> no, that would probably taste better, though, than what I made. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it was, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, what about you, Matt? Uh, for any people who are, who are running, and remember I recommended Asics running shoes at some point in the past, if you haven't gotten the Zombies Run app, what are you doing? You can hear zombies and British people telling you to run because they're zombies. It's, it's, it's just worth it. I can vouch yeah, for this. It's a great app. Oh, I'm going to get that. Wonderful. I just bought that treadmill that's behind me here. So I need to, I need motivation. It is very motivating. The, I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> the one downside is like it. So I ran uh, the Ragnar relay a couple times, which is like a, you just run for like 24 straight hours. And so, right that kind of got me into the mood of like going for late night runs, which are mm. fun, but less fun when you have an app that plays footprints, behind, like footsteps <laughs> behind you as you're running. You're like, what the heck is out here? Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. You were running for 24 hours? I w- the team no, runs like for 24 relay. hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Relay. 
there's well, 12 people fun. so i think we all ran for two hours total it wasn't crazy all right, well, that's still pretty fun i guess it's, yeah it's your runner uh, it doesn't feel fun when you wake up at two in the morning to go on like a nine mile run but oh, we do yeah. it anyway for some reason yeah. uh you know what i'll recommend the ragnar relay check it out when sporting events are back it's a 24-hour running relay you gotta get you and 11 of your friends jump in a couple vans and you you run and drive and hang out and smell bad that's that's great pretty that's pretty much the high line <laughs> right um i i can't imagine why they haven't hired me to write copy for their their advertising <laughs> but you know, here we are um right, recommendation for you <laughs> What they do give you, though, what Ragnar does give you, are some pretty great apparel. I have every shirt that I have from every Ragnar I still wear regularly, except for one that's, like, unreasonably small. It's the same size as all the other ones that I wear, but it's, like, two inches hemmed shorter. So it's, like, mm -hmm. almost a crop top on me. And I'm like, eh, well, maybe not this one so much. <laughs> nice. um, but on the topic of shirts, we are doing Fashion Week this week with uh that's what i meant so i've got five questions for you guys about unusual fashion history points and let's let's start off with one way way back there's a hat it's a famous hat called a sugar loaf hat and it paved the way for a different kind of hat that you guys all have heard of you have any guess what hat it paved the way for well, I don't know if this is really considered a hat, but uh, I, I would say the babushka. Babushka. <laughs> babushka. Say it babushka. right, please. Babushka. Yeah. I have a that. Russian girlfriend. I need to say these things right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's not, I mean, babushka sounds like, you know, like uh, something you would eat, and so does a sugar loaf. Are, so. you, just thinking of, are you just thinking of puchkis? Is that? <laughs> that's a, that's my favorite hat, actually. <laughs> Baba Ganoush. I don't. Yeah, that that's that's uh yeah, Babush. It goes in your bowler hat. Hey yo, that's. Uh, I'm gonna have to put in a boo sound effect for that <laughs> joke or something. That's. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was actually gonna say bowler hat, figuring like sugar bowl. No. It's, it's not a bad guess, but it's also not a correct answer. So. Matt, you got the last try. Uh, well, I'm gonna say it's it's a very tall hat. Uh, I I like uh, there's special names for hats like that. Like you've got your morning coat, and with that goes a special hat. I don't know what it is though. Is it a stove? Your like morning stove? hat. Like a stove, stove pipe. Or I I really want to say ten gallon hat, but I know that's not it. I just love <laughs> that's like the big cowboy that hat, hat yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, it's completely removed from what I was setting up. You're thinking of like the uh, the Abraham Lincoln hat, uh, obviously the brim, tall on the top, and it is the top hat, the number one hat, the top hat top is descended hat. from the Sugarloaf hat. Which really? is pretty interesting. Yeah. So somehow I, I, the Sugarloaf hat is like, it's kind of the pilgrim hat. Or if you guys know that picture of Guy Fox for uh, yes. the 5th of November, he's wearing a Sugarloaf hat, famous okay. Sugarloaf wearer. Um, it's the top hat. It, Sugarloaf hats from like the 1600s, 1700s. Then we get the top hat. 
Uh, so backup question, where or when do you think we first get Top Hat in the like, when does that word first show up? Like when it originates? Yeah, like our first recorded instance, according yeah. to the, the dictionary folk. First one. I'm going to go with 1812. 1812. 18. I don't know. It, feels, it feels right to me. After I, can't, I never saw any of the, uh, you know, the founding fathers wearing the stupid hat like that. It's <laughs> stupid wigs. Yeah, yeah. Right. But we know Lincoln had Lincoln. one in the yeah. mid-1800s. Right. So I'd say you it's see anybody go- else wearing them on the battlefields of the Civil War at Gettysburg, <laughs> at Chancellorsville? Yeah, but they were all dead. They, they were easy targets. <laughs> I think you paint a face on the top hat, and they're just going to try and shoot that. Oh, yeah. That's what you would do if, it, like, if the enemy army was all like, modern 12 year olds playing call of duty and all they did was go for headshots that's what you would do to (laughs) fool them yeah wearing the mask on the back of your head to trick tigers not everyone had uh the old rifled barrels back then accuracy was in question (laughs) uh Uh, but i'm still gonna say mid 1800s mid 1800s what about you karen well that's i mean that was in my genre there too or my range i guess because i was thinking lincoln is the only is the first person anybody's ever talked about that you know wore a top hat so so the first utterance of the word top hat comes to us from 1880 which mm-hmm. as historians will note is 15 years after abe lincoln died holy cow what a trendsetter what was it right? called when abe lincoln wore it I don't, I don't know. I couldn't find out. I'm thinking maybe stovepipe hat, but I just like to think of Abe Lincoln as one heck of a hipster. When he was yeah. setting trends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had the beard. He kind of had it all set right. up. Right. Um, I did find, so the, the hat itself emerged in 1797. And we have this incredible quote. Uh, and this is kind of, this is taken from an, an article on a victoriana.com where they kind of talk about the history of the top hat. They say, when the first top hat was worn by haberdasher John Hetherington in 1797, it caused a near riot. According to a newspaper account, quote, passersby panicked at the sight. Several women fainted, children screamed, dogs yelped, and an errands boy arm was broken when he was trampled by the mob. So the Hetherington was taken to court for wearing, quote, a tall structure having a shining luster calculated to frighten timid people. <laughs> oh, my. And he that... probably had a scary face on it, too. <laughs> right? Yes. The gall of this John Hetherington wow. to invent something so fearsome as the top hat. Haberdasher. <laughs> Children scream. I just, do you think like 1798s? haunted houses where it's just people wearing top hats and coats and it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like man you're to scare back then apparently apparently maybe like everybody was like yeah whatever we have like a plague in a war every other year like, ah, hat <laughs> maybe that's why the hat never really came back you know it used to be a big thing for a long sure. time and nobody's yeah. wearing fancy hats anymore we finally gave in to the fear it's like it's too scary <laughs> This is when there's like that old guy at the VFW who's talking about how kids aren't brave these days. He's not talking about like the draft or going to war. He's talking about scary hats. Yeah. Edward, yeah. Stetsons, fedoras. <laughs> Stop. Uh, you know what? As long as we're talking about uh as long as we're talking about VFWs and wars, there's a world famous fashion designer who 
has since been implicated as possibly being a Nazi spy. Has have any guess what designer that was? Ooh. Hmm. Uh, unrelated, but but slightly like of the same genre. Julia Child was in the precursor to the CIA. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. That's but I so don't. Weird. I, I know my my celebrity chefs moderately better than I know my celebrity <laughs> fashion designers. So I have nothing. I uh, I I'm gonna go with Klaus Ken. Not to be confused with Klaus Barbie. The, uh, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I know neither of those. So I mean, I have to say the Nazis had some nice clothes. I'll, I'll give them that. Hugo Boss famously oh, really? designed yeah. all the Nazi uniforms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. they Them and uh, who was it? I think uh, Adidas, Adidas. They Adidas. were, I don't think the Adidas Puma split happened because of the Nazis. Really? And I can't remember which one was helping the Nazis and which one wasn't. But it was it started by two brothers and one of them left. There's an awesome Stuff You Should Know episode. If I'll just go ahead and plug their podcast. Because nobody knows about Stuff You Should Know, which has been on the top charts for like the existence of podcasts. Um, yeah, it's, it's a super interesting story. It's, it's pretty crazy. They moved their factories on opposite sides of the river. Yep. Just literally. And they... Uh, Bashud, uh, was it Jesse Owens in the yes 1936 Olympics? Yeah. So which shoe was that then? Was that the Adidas? Or I think that it... was Adidas. I think it was before they split. They gave Jesse Owens the like okay. the really good track shoe, and then obviously he, like destroyed everybody. And I can't remember if that played into the split or if it's just like a like extra like yeah. annotation of like one half of this company was really not a fan of Nazis and was a right. fan of pissing off Hitler at the Olympics. It would have been cool if like the left one would have been Adidas and the right one like Puma. Like that would have been kind of <laughs> unusual. Like <laughs> well, awesome. Like we only make one shoes for one side of the right side of the foot. Okay. Fashion people. Fashion yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. So, I know. so back to fashion people. Fashion yeah, designers. It, Kate I, Spade. She's not that old. Uh Nicolette <laughs> Nick, Nick This is somebody Nicole all, Mitchell. Not all that old. Three of you have definitely heard of this person the Gl- gloria gloria vanderbilt is that yeah that's what's collection gloria vanderbilt. No. Wang? no uh, is, it, um, is this the is this coco chanel it is coco chanel Ooh, good one. yeah coco Coco's chanel channel. inventor of chanel number five inventor of the little black dress inventor of like 30 other things that like, who invented chanel number one I, you know, I wasn't able to find her out. Great great grandmother. <laughs> I was just saying, her old man. <laughs> Someone who came long before. Chanel numero uno. Um, so she was located in Paris in like the 20s when Coco Chanel or Chanel number no. five came out when she kind of like became famous. And then when the Nazis invaded France and uh, occupied Paris. She had to kind of shut down all of her operations, but she was still in the city for a long time. And apparently she had sort of like a prolonged relationship with a Nazi officer. And sort of as time has gone on, there's been some thoughts that that was like something that may have been established a little bit longer. And also like during the occupation, she may have been kind of like feeding information back into the Nazi regime. She was kind of this like respected French figure who would have access to all these dignitaries and stuff. But um, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a interesting little story. It is. A little she's, bit of Tinker Taylor 
soldier yeah. spy because she's Taylor. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, that's right. That's true. Um, also, uh, an old uh, episode back the YouTube episodes, not the podcast episodes. There's a video about Nancy Wake, who is a spy for the good guys in World War II, and another woman in France that people should go check out. Now, even if you don't watch our video, just go read about her. She's super interesting. Yeah, that was a great story. Um, so other weird stuff that came up with, oh, uh, the other thing Chanel helped to invent, or at least to popularize, because this would be a tough thing to invent, was tans. Um, kind of up until Coco Chanel, it was pale was the way to be. And then she sort of got people into tans as a, I don't know, <laughs> statement of beauty. So that maybe like Hitler suggested it. It could be. See, he that's... wants to kill more people. <laughs> Maybe that's out of line <laughs> to say, but he's playing the long game. Give everyone skin cancer. The forward. He's even got Abe Lincoln beat in terms of forward thinking. The top half. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time everybody's ever compared Hitler to Abe Lincoln on a podcast. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, oh, so then another weird thing about Coco Chanel. I, I don't really have a question for this one. This is just super weird. So she. When she made Chanel number no. five, she made a deal with a um, a producer who would actually like make the perfume, and then with a department store. I don't remember who the store was, but she ended up she'd get ten percent of the royalties on it. This producer got like a, the lion's share of it, and the department store got the rest. She, after it became super popular, basically like spent her entire life suing the company who produced the perfume to try and get more money out of it, and. To the point that that company who, did I write down their name? I did not. Were timers. Uh, they were the producers. She sued them so many times that they had a full-time attorney on staff whose whole job oh was just to deal with like the inquest. There's another one, over. Joe. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? And, and then Good after, job. she couldn't reopen after the occupation of Paris because she didn't have any money to open her shop. So in like the 50s when she was 71, she was like, all right, I kind of want to reopen my, my shop. And Wartimers paid for her to open it. And <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, all right, you keep suing wow. us, but that's being right. famous and making us money. You know? Right, yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, you know, why didn't she just, like, again, have a Chanel number no. six and then, right. like, bypass all the legal stuff? I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah. She a better it's lawyer easy. herself. It's easy advertising, right? It's Chanel number no. five, but it's one better. It's yeah, done. that's right. This is the new right. improved. Take my check, please. Jeez. Just do it like like Apple does. Like it was five plus. Exactly. This is Chanel SE. It's a little bit bigger bottle, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love the Chanel 5S. I thought it was better than the Chanel 6. You know, I thought yeah. they took some steps back right. with, the, with the bigger yeah. bottle, the different aspect ratio on the bottle. Yeah, and the aspartame. Right. It, was, it was better. There's like a not very funny skit of like Steve Jobs defines perfumes in there. Because it's probably... Not much more than the jokes we just made, but for any aspiring young comedians out there who want to make a mediocre skit, you, <laughs> you feel free to take that one. If you're like Jordan Peele, though, tell us first so we can get some of those royalties. <laughs> um, so uh, Paris, obviously Coco Chanel, super big fashion icon, arguably like the first like celebrity fashion person. Um, Paris, however, is famous for Paris Fashion Week. Do you guys know when Paris when uh, Paris Fashion Week first started and kind of how it got its footing? Wow, you want a year? 
Uh, if you guys can get in the ball, Fark. All right. I don't actually have a specific year because it kind of is like an organic development. Okay. I think Hmm. it happened after the 45th suing of the manufacturer of the perfume. (laughs) (laughs) Put me in the ballpark. 1960. That is too late for Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. Everything they show off at those fashion weeks are very avant-garde, ugly, almost. One might say, I just did. Yes. Uh, types of clothes, <laughs> if you could call them clothes. So we need to look in history to when people started just dressing in garbage bags and strange things. So, and we'll know that's yeah. when we started being influenced by... Fall of the Roman Empire to... <laughs> One day before the Renaissance started for when people dressed in garbage bags. Yeah. <laughs> There's some nice bags, though. Right. Not out of Depends on who you are. I say the 1960s. That would that kind of goes along with what Matt's saying. Kind of that uh, shock, shock appeal. And it's All right. Hmm. I'm going to go 1930s. 1930s. Matt, do you want to put a decade on it? 1940s. 1940s. Mm-hmm. You guys are all... In the wrong century. It came up in the 1800s. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and even worse, it didn't even, it started from an Englishman. A uh, Charles Frederick Worth. You may have heard of the House of Worth. Whatever. Designers. I've Um, heard of Werther's. They're very famous. (laughs) Designer of caramel butterscotch mints. (laughs) Is it butterscotch candy? I guess it's not a mint. It's a treat. It's Altoids. (laughs) A butterscotch delight. Um... So Charles Frederick Worth, he was the first, he's credited as being the first person who used live models for his design. So rather than like displaying clothes on a mannequin, he would host like house parties and he would have models wear the clothes so that people could see them. Um, People. Wait a minute. Mannequins came before models? That's what I, as far as I can tell. I guess the I'm guessing it's like those old timey things where it's like a coat stand with like a chest right. and no other parts of the exactly. body. Well, that's what I'm picturing, but still, like it's a dress big... form. Is that what those are yeah. called? Someone give yeah. me a nod. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I certainly can't argue that it's not right. So yes, they were um, sewing everything by hand back then. You can't have a model standing there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ow. 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 <laughs> um. Yeah. So he he did this that's how he advertised it and it, it got so popular that people started like hosting these big extra- extravagant parties at their homes and then while you were there they would like showcase these new designs from whoever this fancy new designer was that's kind of how designers would spread their names and then that sort of developed into, into tupperware <laughs> uh <Amber Jeff. laughs> come to your house and look at this thing open and close and they would they would they would cook the food in your oven for you (laughs) um god man pampered chef parties would be way better if they like had to use every single tool in like they were required to use it in the meal prep you just got to stand there watching like hey hey i didn't see you that strawberry coring correctly (laughs) another try please (laughs) um no so it developed up into uh the the fashion week well that's kind of like how it got its start (laughs) and when you guys are talking about the mid 1900s the in world war ii obviously we already touched on it but 
Nazis occupied Paris. Fashion Week wasn't going on anymore. And so Fashion Week moved to, any guesses? I mean, New York is the obvious choice to me. And that's was the obvious choice to everybody. It was moved <laughs> to New York. That was the first Yay. non-Paris Fashion Week. And I think they call it Press Week. Um, and it's sort of like, it worked. And that's kind of where other people like Milan and London and Tokyo and all these other like big fashion weeks were like, oh, maybe we can do that too. And so like, <laughs> without World War II, we may not yeah. have other fashion weeks. It may just be Paris would have a stranglehold. Yeah, like, hey, we have people. We can walk around close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, over here. Oh, oh, that's a good idea. Uh. <laughs> uh, did you want to? Did you want to know when it happened? What time of the year? Was that another part of the question? I did not. I actually don't know. <laughs> Tell us, Derek. <laughs> well, Tell us it was in May. May. <laughs> All right. I love Paris in the spring. That's <laughs> right. You know, yeah, spring thing. Sure. You can see the cherry blossoms. I, I don't that's know. Right. I also don't know if that's when cherry blossoms spring. Is that when you go into DC? May, April. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds right. The only sure. thing I've ever cared to go to DC for is the Spy Museum because I'm a dork and I apparently don't care about American history. I just care about American <laughs> spy history. You know they had a spy museum. That sounds great. They do. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't find it though. We need to destroy this podcast. <laughs> you need to know the password to get in. Nobody, nobody's been in it yet though. <laughs> I mean, the rumor has it there's a spy museum. I should clarify. Sure. <laughs> it's like one of those uh for people who don't live in chicago who are listening to this podcast this may be a weird concept but we have numerous restaurants throughout the chicago land area that are like old el capone hideouts and in almost all of them there's like a, a facet of it somewhere where you have to like tell somebody a secret password to get into either the whole restaurant or to a random room which Seems like an insane way to run a restaurant really? now that I'm thinking. Yeah, about I always it. Yeah. tell people a password to get out. I've been just wasting <laughs> my breath for these for years. That's just, no, whatever. That's it. That seems like a better option, right? Because then, like, if they don't know the password, you're like, all right, well, you might as well have another bottle of wine, bud. Like, <laughs> you're not done yet. Not so fast. <laughs> like a safe word. <laughs> the password is our. That's how we make all our money. Um, that was a terrible joke. Uh, have you have any of you guys ever been to one of those like Al Capone restaurants? I think there's one in Milwaukee. Yeah, I've I heard the of safe house. The safe house, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah there, there used to be one called the Hideaway in St. Charles where I grew up. It is now, yes. I think, just like a big abandoned place. I don't think there's anything in there now. Yeah, uh, it's waiting for you to say like TGI Fridays. It's now a TGI Fridays. <laughs> that would be awesome because it's like kind of it was a weird place for a restaurant because it was there and then like they built a subdivision around it. So it'd be yeah. awesome if it was just a subdivision and then smack dab in the middle of it a tgi fridays you're like what how did this happen as a side note when the when the internet first started the first like rabbit hole i ever went down on the internet was i don't know if it still exists but some guy was posting like how to go like into the sewer systems of different cities it just was like fascinating like we we went to toronto and found like hatches that were open you could go explore like below the city I just thought that was the greatest. When I was in college, I remember like urban exploring sites were a huge thing. And there's all these people who would like break into like old warehouses and old train stations and just like yeah. take super mm-hmm. nice photos. And it was like right when like Flickr and like Facebook were really like kind of holding on. So, but like before they'd been super regulated, not like regulated, but like taken over and kind of like commercialized. So it was all just like weird artsy people on them. And, uh, 
Yeah, I remember that being a huge thing and thinking like, I want to do that. And then getting older and being like, I really don't like want to have to worry about my tetanus booster. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to not test how recently I got that. (laughs) Um, All right. So we got one final question. And that is, where was denim invented? Well, the United States, I would say. I mean, it was a... It was for the workers. So yeah, I was thinking like Mr. Levi Strauss. Levi Strauss wasn't he like a railroad worker? And I think he came up with it. So he invented jeans, but he did not invent denim. Oh, oh, they were wearing yeah. some ugly, ugly things made of denim I, before that. If I remember right, he invented. Didn't he invent the rivets? I think. Yeah, right? riveted jeans. Yeah. 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 Mm. But he Make got his, stronger. He got his fabric from somewhere else. Hmm. Well, there's what's that that company that makes fire hose pants? What's it from fire hoses? <laughs> Duluth Trading. Yeah. <laughs> fire hose pants. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm never gonna not be able to think of Duluth Trading as anything but fire hose pants now. <laughs> it's kind of sad because I had a business making pants out of garden hoses, and it was a disaster. Lost were, a lot of money. They just weren't. <laughs> you know, they just really weren't that big. It's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could buy them. They didn't fit. They made excellent gloves. Terrible <laughs> pants. Yeah. Um, any guesses? Any? Uh, fashion generally doesn't come from America. Were they like, yeah. And the Far East has the claim on, on softer fabrics than, mm-hmm. than denim. They've got their silks there and cottons and stuff. Uh, oh, did denim, did, did, Bur- maybe denim was uh, like was pre burlap. Did they put potatoes in them and sacks, or they did not know it was made for fashion. It was, yeah, really? <laughs> made for fashion. Made mm. for fashion. It's denim, like everyday people <laughs> fashion or like soldier Girdle. fashion. I I couldn't figure out what it was originally made for, but I assume it was like kind of for what Strauss eventually used it for, where it was like. A, meant to be like a sturdy, heavy-duty fabric that could hold up to like a coat, heavy wear, like a coat or I mean, even just pants. But maybe just oh, nobody else horse, did it as horse well. Blanket or maybe I, a horse blanket. That's not really fashion. Though, <laughs> horse fashion. Yeah, it's a fa- <laughs> horse. I don't know. That was such a weird thing about the denim as it became jeans and people like that was really not like a normal thing for people to wear that as a fashion thing. It was work clothes. Nobody's got any guesses. I can give you guys. Well, the they did start. Did it was denim? Did it denim start in the United States? Denim did not. No. Okay. I'm just going to throw out Germany. Germany. For whatever reason, yeah. Man, throw out a guess. Curtains. What else would it be? No, I'm stumped. Uh, Europe. Europe it is in general it is from Europe it is specifically from France because again apparently all fashion roads lead back to France it was not however from Paris it was from a town called Nîmes France and its original name was Serge de Nîmes which if you Mm -hmm. cut off the I I probably said Serge wrong but if you cut off that it stands for fabric study of Nîmes and they basically just kept the of Nîmes part Right, and denim turned into denim, and uh, it's like we've got cut off denim pants. Yeah, we've cut off denim pants. (laughs) They sound way better that way. (laughs) They aren't better, but they sound better. 
It's better than jorts. <laughs> jorts is a bad word. That's yeah. There's no fix for that one. Uh, as an added bonus, the jeans came from Genoa, Italy. Genoa, Italy, which actually had the like uh, the what would you call them? Like the factories where the jeans were actually like stitched and sewn. So Strauss set this up where he bought his fabric in Denim. He sent it over to Genoa in Italy. They like sewed the pants together and everything, did all the work, and then they shipped them over to uh, America. And he really sold them to railroad workers. And the rest was history. So what was this fashion that they made this denim for? What, what did they use it for? I Dow jeans. I don't. I couldn't I know, figure I, out any. I couldn't I thought, figure out anything I was waiting before for the that. big reveal of what what French clothing it was. No, it wasn't no. like a. It was just a random. Yeah, somebody was playing around, just making a whole bunch of fabrics, hoping somebody would use one. And the guy who invented that probably should get an award or something because yeah. he he seems to have done better. I I don't almost don't care what anybody else possibly could have turned out of that city because I can't imagine it's more popular than denim. Right. Um, well, as a side note, the denim makes a great uh, insulation, you know, green insulation. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> and and sound sound deadening as well. Oh. Nice. That's that's still the weirdest thing about denim to me. The idea of the amount of money that it costs a pair of to buy a pair of jeans to just shove that into your wall seems <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, and the, and add to the fact that a lot of people don't, don't wash them very often. It's true. That's, that's kind of gross. It's probably a good time to mention that, like, in Eric's house, all of the wall sconces are Fabergé eggs. So maybe <laughs> don't totally take his home uh, improvement advice at face value. What? Isn't everybody's <laughs> talking about? A skewed, skewed idea of home <laughs> remodeling. Um, I remember years ago, I, I can't remember the name of the show, but we were watching an HGTV show where they were like, like here's like the most insane homes of the wealthy and this realtor is walking through and she's talking about like oh it's really the details that pull the room together you know for example these solid gold doorknobs really tie the room together without these it doesn't fit together and it like has a little price tag yeah. it's like 1.5 million dollar doorknob <laughs> you're like oh, man. you know what? i don't think i would have noticed if it wasn't a gold right a solid gold brands. doorknob <laughs> probably would have been able to get by with that but they knew the owners knew. <laughs> they, knew. they knew and they got nervous every time you touched it. That you're just gonna <laughs> unscrew it and run you away. You can open it or steal that. <laughs> um yeah, oh uh, the other kind of fun thing. So there's no denim is not produced in France anymore. Um actually I think a lot of it is produced in like Southeast Asia, I would assume. But I think generally people kind of regard like the best denim in the world these days as coming from either Turkey or Japan which are not France, but sort of a fun closing to that story is there's now a jeans maker in Nîmes, France, who decided that they were going to start producing really high quality jeans there again. So if you want to buy jeans from the town where it all started, you can do it. They're pretty expensive, but they look, I mean, they look pretty nice too. They look, they look like Levi's. Yeah, they're jeans. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, one interesting thing, I didn't know about this. I, I saw it on some fashion website or something and they said that if you have a pair of jeans you should like wash them like once a month which i thought was disgusting that's maybe you guys do that i don't know the ceo of levi of levi's said that 
And uh, really? I think like he like kind of backtracked a little bit. And I was like, all right, like I didn't say you shouldn't wash them. I said you don't have to wash them. Yeah, you can go a few wears yeah. between washes. <laughs> you, don't have to. you don't have to change your underwear. What is that? Uh, salvage. Really if you get like raw salvage denim jeans, then yeah, those ones you don't want to wash them because because you want them to form around you. You want the the color to naturally, yeah. I don't, not patina, but but change and be so unique. And you don't want to yeah. turn all of your other clothes blue when all that indigo dye comes out of them that's on the first it. like twenty washes. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of. Work. Uh, well, yeah, that's. That is, uh, that's everything I've got for you guys this week for fashion. Um, so thanks for joining. Appreciate yeah. it. And I'm sure we'll have you guys on some more episodes soon. Um, again, if anybody's looking to catch all these guys somewhere, you, you obviously know where to find me. Just go to the podcast and hit subscribe. Um, if you want to find everybody else, you can find them at the Improv Playhouse every other week. That's in Libertyville, Illinois. Or you can catch Matt specifically on reviewparty.com. That's another Ooh. podcast you can find in whatever place you found this podcast. And if you can't find it there, go to reviewparty.com.com and they'll tell you where to find it. And finally, um, you know, we're, we're a new podcast. And the way new podcasts tend to spread best is not through reviews, but through word of mouth. So I'll definitely first say if you enjoyed this, tell tell a friend, tell multiple friends, tell some family members, let people know we're out here. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And then if you feel like you haven't done enough, go ahead, go give us a review. Um, we appreciate five star reviews, but we'll take whatever you can give us. And uh, when you do that review, if maybe there's a topic that you'd like to see, you can shoot that over to us either in your review or that's what i meant pod.com there's a uh, little contact form right on the right on the home page there you can go in there and shoot over your suggestions or your facts or whatever you want on the show we love to hear them and i think that's it that's all for all the the, the business stuff so we will see you guys next time and thanks for joining